In uh, 2016, the movie Batman vs. Superman uh, came out, and uh, Ben Affleck played the role of Batman. Uh, Henry Cavill, I think that's how you pronounce his name, played the role of uh, Superman, and the movie largely flopped. Uh, The critics were just really uh, down on the movie. And so Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill were being interviewed, and the interviewer asked him the question, uh, what's your response to all of this negative uh, reaction to the the movie? And this is what happened. Since reviews for the film have come out, and I don't know if you've had a chance to have a look at them, or like your response to those, or... No, what are they saying? Well, it's it's been getting a mixed response. I just wondered uh, whether that, how, how that makes you guys feel and whether it will even affect the film as such. Well, uh, the, the interesting thing is that... Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. Or at least partly have spoken. Ben? I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So that video went viral and the hashtag sad Affleck became an instant meme. Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend, that iconic lyric written by uh, Paul Simon actually finds its origin in the scriptures. Uh, The last verse of Psalm 88, the psalmist said, darkness is my closest friend. Darkness is my my closest friend. There are uh, a lot of psalms that explore um, anger and and sadness, and grief, and lament, and anguish. There are, there are a lot of difficult uh, psalms that explore the human experience, uh, but every one of them, virtually every one of them, with two exceptions, they always resolve at the end of the psalm. Like the, the psalmist will, will cry out to God uh, for, for 20 verses, And then you get to the last verse, and the psalmist will say something like, but this I call to hope, that you are my rock, you are my salvation, and I will see you in the land of the living. It it resolves on a a hopeful note. But there are two psalms that don't resolve. They begin in darkness, and they end in darkness. This morning, I want to explore one of those with you. It's Psalm 88. Begins in darkness and ends with this This verse, darkness is my closest friend. Uh, Darkness is a part of the Christian experience. There are other candles on the wreath besides hope, peace, joy, and love. Uh, And we all know it. And, And the kids had no problem expressing it. It took them no time at all to come up with some of those words that are part of their experience. Disappointment, discouragement, even depression 
and despair. These things don't mean that we're not Christians. Doesn't mean even necessarily that we're doing something wrong. It's part of the, the human experience and it's part of the Christian experience. So my hope this morning is not to take us to a dark place. Uh, it's the middle of winter, it's cold, and, and it's already dark outside. Uh, but I do want to acknowledge that we go through dark seasons in our life. And God's word helps us navigate those seasons. So that's why we're going to look at Psalm 88 this morning. Uh, as we uh, look at the scripture, we're going to do something a little different this morning. I'm not going to have it on the overhead. Uh, and I'm not going to invite you to open your Bible and follow along. What I am going to invite you to do is close your eyes and hear it, and hear it knowing that this is a person on the other end of this prayer. This is someone who's actually experiencing this and, and praying this out of the reality of, of things just crashing all around them. And as you hear it, uh, I want you to pay attention, is there a phrase that just sticks out to you? Uh, and if so, hold on to it. And when we get done reading it, I'm going to ask you to share with me what that phrase was. No explanation, just share the phrase. Uh, I'll repeat it back to make sure that everyone is able uh, to hear it. So if you'd close your eyes <clears throat> and hear the word of the Lord. O oh Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you. May my prayer come before you, turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man without strength. I'm set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all of your waves. You've taken me from my closest friends. You've made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness, or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, O Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O oh Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I've been afflicted and close to death. I've suffered your terrors and I'm in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You've taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What did you hear? I cry out to you and you hide your face from me. 
I'm close to death. Say that again. Down to the pit. Day and night I cry out to you. The prayers are not answered. I'm a man without strength. My soul is full of trouble. These aren't things that we, we normally trumpet in church. We talk about the love of God, the joy, the peace, the hope. But this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello, darkness, my old friend. It's difficult to go through that psalm and catalog all of the, the laments, all of the anguish that the, the psalmist is experiencing. He describes it as being overwhelmed in a series of waves. And the waves just keep coming one after another. And as soon as he thinks the waves have, have passed, he finds himself in the swell of yet another wave. It's apparent that one of the waves that he's battling is internal in nature. My soul, he says, is full of trouble. At this moment, he is not singing the hymn, It is well with my soul. He's actually saying just the opposite. The sorrows like sea billows roll, and it is not well. It's not well with my soul. John Wesley was a, a man who uh, inspired the Methodist, the Wesleyan movement. Uh, he was big into small groups, and he would always start his small groups the same way. He wouldn't ask the question, how are you? He would ask everyone the question, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? Because how are you, what we often do with that question is we talk about external things. Well, this is going on with my children. This is going on with my parents, my job. Uh, but how is it with your soul forces us to, to dig a little deeper and, and look inward. So the psalmist begins at the soulish level. How is it with my soul? Not well. My soul is full of trouble. I'm not at peace. I am not resting in the goodness of God. I am soul stricken. Or as the child shared today, I am heartbroken. I find his honesty refreshing. Rather than offering up some, some cliche that may be theologically true, but not experientially true, like, like God is good all the time. And all the time God is good. The psalmist is brutally and painfully honest. His internal world is teetering. His external world is tottering. He appears that he's in danger of dying. He says, my life draws near to the grave. And maybe what's even worse is maybe he's not physically dying, but he's being treated as if he were dying. Disregarded, forgotten. He said, I'm set apart. 
I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave. I might as well be dead. People he once counted as friends are now repulsed by him. They want nothing to do with him. And there doesn't seem like there's any exit. There's no light at the end of this tunnel. I'm confined, he says. I cannot escape. And finally, it seems to him like God doesn't hear a single word that he's praying because nothing in his external world is changing. And so at this point, he goes on the offensive. He decides, I'm going to put you, God, on trial. And I'm going to ask you some questions, and you're going to answer me. I call to you, O Lord, every day I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? Are your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? Why, O Lord, do you reject me? Why do you hide your face from me? Answer me. Answer me. God doesn't even seem to care to argue with him. Doesn't argue back. Doesn't answer him. And so he concludes in utter defeat. You win, God. You have done me in. The darkness is my closest friend. You can't read this psalm and not hear echoes from the book of Job. Like the psalmist, it was not well with Job's soul. He too was near death. He too experienced the death of his loved ones. He too was repulsive to his friends. He saw no light, <coughs> excuse me, at the end of the tunnel. And he felt like God was out to get him. Listen to what Job said. He said, I cry out to you, but you don't answer. I stand up and you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly. With the might of your hand, you attack me. These are hard words. One of the fascinating things about the book of Job is the response of his fellow believing friends. They hear the things that he's saying about God, the accusations, the blasphemy, and they're determined to correct him. You can't say these things about God. Clean up your prayers, Job. Sanitize them. We know God's not guilty, obviously, so it must be you who is guilty. Repent of your wrongdoing. Now, what the friends were saying technically wasn't wrong. They were right. Job was being deceived. He's speaking out of the pain of his suffering. Satan is probably having his way with Job. But the book of Job concludes with God actually condemning the friends and their theological correctness, but their insensitivity to his experience. And God commends Job after rebuking him. He commends Job. So the psalmist in Psalm 88 is saying some brash things about God. He's leveling some harsh accusations against him. He's speaking out of his suffering. He thinks God's out to get him. He says, darkness is my closest friend, closer than you, God. 
Darkness is closer to me than, than you are. He's wrong. He's being deceived. Satan is playing tricks with him. But the one thing that he's doing right is he's being honest with God. More importantly, he's still arguing. He's still crying. He's still yelling. He's still accusing. He's still lamenting with God. There's a reason Psalm 88 is in our Bible. I, I'm sure over the years people have wondered, what is this doing in our scriptures? Where is the, the hope? And yet God in his wisdom has included this this prayer, if Psalm 88 and the other Psalms, Psalm 39, like it, if they were not in the Bible, then Christianity would only work, frankly, for liars and pretenders. Christianity would only work for people who have learned not to be honest, but to pretend like everything is always good, all the time, hope, peace, joy, love. If Psalm 88 were not in the Bible, Christianity would only work for people who have learned to parrot back the cliches. God's good. It's well with my soul. No, it's not. If Psalm 88 and 39 were not in the Bible, we'd have two less examples of real people like us who have had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and who have done so while trying to cling to their faith. The hope from Psalm 88 doesn't come from some last verse that resolves on, a, on an uplifting note. The hope from Psalm 88 comes merely from the fact that it is in our Bible. It is here. Psalm 88 is a prayer, and it is a prayer coming from a person who is broken, internally broken, externally broken, a person who feels like God has forgotten him, who God is out to get him, and nevertheless, he prays. Nevertheless, he prays. If you think about it, there may be no greater psalm of faith than Psalm 88. Because it's not difficult to say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name, when you've got 10,000 obvious reasons to do so. But when you have 10,000 obvious reasons not to do so, and yet you still stay connected to the, the Lord in prayer, that's faith. God corrected Job. God rebuked Job about the false accusations he was making against God but he commended Job for staying engaged, for being honest, for trusting God with his darkness. There, as you know, there's nothing enjoyable about going through dark times, dark seasons of our life, and certainly we don't seek them out. But what you probably also know is that sometimes we do our most growing in the seasons of darkness. God has a way of, of transforming us through suffering that, that otherwise may not happen. Our, our hearing seems to be tuned in a little better as we go through those difficult seasons of life. The scripture says that Jesus is like us in every way, that he was made like us in every way, and if that's really true, then he too experienced discouragement. 
and maybe even depression and despair and this feeling broken. He experienced darkness. And when he did, do you know what he did? The same thing the psalmist in Psalm 88 did. He prayed. And it sounded like this. Abba. Daddy. Take this cup from me. But not my will, but thy will be done. And then a short while later, it sounded like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And with that, he breathed his last. My dark darkness, my closest friend, God, his back turned to me. And literally, it became dark, and his body is placed in a tomb, and the stone is rolled over that tomb, and there he lays in complete darkness. It's right for us to pray for the the stone to be rolled away. For Jesus, it didn't resolve immediately. For three days, he was dead in darkness. But then the stone was rolled away, and the women came who were coming to anoint his body, saw that he wasn't there. Light filled that dark tomb. It's right for us to pray for the stone to be rolled away, for the the light to come in. It's right to pray for resolution, for hope, for healing, for salvation. It's also right to pray when the stone has not been rolled away and when darkness is our closest friend. Join me as we pray. Lord, I I thank you for um, the song that JC sang and for those lyrics, Hold On. Lord, we know um, that there are people, and and Lord, sometimes it's us, that we are in the midst of those those dark times. And when the cry of our, our heart is for you to to hear us, to answer, to to bring healing, to bring salvation. Lord, we rest in the fact that that you do hold on. Lord, you never let go. Lord, our hope is in you. And we pray for those who maybe now find themselves uh, struggling with depression, despair, darkness. Lord, we pray that uh, they wouldn't go through that alone that none of us would go through that alone, that we would be there for uh, each other. Lord, thank you for being our God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.